0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Friday the 9th of July 2021.
0: And the biggest outbreak in Australia at the moment is in Sydney. And rather than us talking more about the numbers that have been floating around, we've brought an expert in to talk to us today. Uh, Welcome. Adrian Esterman, Professor of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the University of Adelaide.
1: Hello, Tegan and Norman. Thanks very much for joining us, Adrian. I mean, the main reason for getting you on is actually to look at some predictive maths here to see how the epidemic has been progressing and how it might go forward. And what you've been looking at on a day-by-day basis, admittedly just on the published data, is what's called the RF, which is the effective reproduction number. Just before we get to what it is, what it's been numerically, can you just explain what the RF is? Because it's a really important thing for people to understand, to be able to predict how this is going to go from here.
2: Uh, Sure. So the basic reproduction number is usually calculated at the start of an epidemic. And it's the average number of people each infected person themselves infects. So if you had a, a basic reproduction number of, say, um, three, on average, each infected person themselves infects three other people.
1: So what you're talking about here is if you've got no other controls in place, let's say the Wuhan virus, somebody would, in theory, infect two and a half people, the alpha virus, maybe four and a half, and the delta virus, six people. But that's, there's a problem with that number.
2: Yeah, so, so the problem with the basic uh, reproduction number is that it assumes that uh, there is no immunity. And clearly, we do have immunity, either from people being vaccinated or people having caught the uh, disease and recovered. Or indeed, measures like lockdown. Exactly. So none of that's assumed with the basic reproduction number. So the effective reproduction number basically takes those things into account.
1: So how much we're separating, how much we're wearing masks.
2: Exactly. And how many people are immune, yes. But it's very difficult to calculate. And usually you can only get it from modelling. So what I do is um, I just do a very, very simple approximation. I simply say, look, if you look at daily case numbers, they go up and down like a yo-yo, because that's the sort of fact of how case numbers work. One day you get 19, the next day you get 30, next day you get 20, etc. But that makes it very difficult to look at trends. And epidemiologists always like to look at patterns and trends. So the first thing I do is I smooth the number of daily cases out by taking something called a moving average. So that I take, for example, the last five days and take the average. And then tomorrow I'll take the previous five days and take the average. And so you then get a a trend line that you can actually see quite clearly.
1: And if the reproduction number is over one, that means exponential growth. You're multiplying the numbers each day.
2: It is. So what I do is I then take the moving average for today and divide it by the moving average five days ago. So that if it's one, it means that everything's stable, we're neither seeing a big increase in cases or a decrease, it's just grumbling along at the same average number. If it's less than one, it's a pretty good indication that everything's under control and hopefully getting better. And if it's greater than one, it's a
0: worry. So what are we seeing in Sydney at the moment?
2: At the moment, it's about one. And that means that the average daily case numbers, which at the moment are around about 27, is almost identical to what it was five days ago. And if it stays at one? It basically means that the lockdown isn't working because the object is to get it down below one. So if nothing changes, we'll just continue to see 20 to 30 cases a day. That's correct. It's, it's like the old saying, you know, madness is doing the same thing, expecting something to change.
0: So Greater Sydney is already in lockdown, or that's what it's called. Are there other measures or tools that we have in our toolkit that aren't being used at the moment that the New South Wales government should consider?
2: I think there's two aspects. The first is that the lockdown isn't very severe. It's nowhere near as severe as, say, they had in Melbourne last year. So things can be tightened up in terms of the lockdown. And the second issue is compliance. Um, we keep hearing about parties that are being held or, or Bondi Beach being packed out with people. There's a lot more that could be done in terms of trying to persuade people in New South Wales to comply with the regulations.
1: Just go back a little bit, though. We were above one for a little while, according to your numbers.
2: Uh, yeah, the highest it's been is 5.1 on the 25th of June.
0: 5.1? Gosh.
2: Yeah. But that was what at- is
0: that the day of the party?
2: <laughs> Don't forget these are smooth numbers, okay? So, so basically what was happening there was that was when there was that exponential increase in case numbers.
1: So, Adrian, you talked about the effective reproduction number being 5 over 5 on the 25th of June. So, what happened after that? Is it, is, are we seeing success in bringing it down
2: to one? I mean, what, just give us yes, a yes, Yes, we are, uh, Norman. We, it's, it's been gradually creeping downwards and downwards and downwards uh, until it's got to one. But, I mean, at a high level, that's, that's the problem the high number of cases on a daily basis. I mean, if it, if it was 1,000 cases each day, you know, for five days, you'd have a reproduction number of one, but you wouldn't be very happy. But nonetheless, it's stuck on one in your view. I think it's good news and bad news for New South Wales Health. The good news is that it's not going up. The bad news is it's not coming down. How easy is it to
1: slip from a stable situation? So stable sounds good, but, it, but what it means is that stable, that every day 20 or 30 more people are added to the numbers, 10% of those end in hospital, and a percentage of those will end up in intensive care, according to the current data. Um, so stable is not very good. What would it take to slip into exponential growth, which is that you've got 21 day, 30 the next, 40 the next?
2: Well, I think the worrying thing at the moment is the number of so-called mystery cases they're seeing. You've, You've got basically half of the daily cases being out and about in the community while they're infectious. And if that carries on, then they will lose control and you will see numbers going up. But I hope that doesn't happen.
0: And we're really only at one because of the measures that are currently in place, which people don't want to live under indefinitely.
2: That's correct. That's why I said that something has to change for it to start going down to zero.
1: So uh, don't want to put words in your mouth, Adrian Estiman, but it, it sounds like a bit of a knife edge. And certainly not good news for for coming out of lockdown, because if we're still at 20 or 30 cases in a week from now, if nothing's changed, then they're not going to lift the lockdown.
2: No, that's correct. So I think that's the scenario we're looking at. Uh, unless they actually do something now to, to change things, we're going to see that grumbling mid-20s keep going on
1: because the effect of doing something now will only be seen in five to seven days in five days time yeah which is like an incubation period away
2: so if you were living in new south wales you'd be a bit worried i would be um but i said there are things that the government can do and should do so for example in in, um in adelaide the plainclothes police were stationed at all supermarkets to check compliance with qr codes so i mean there's all sorts of things that they can do to try and tighten things up
1: just before the lockdown came in, I did a story for ABC News, which showed that clearly the epidemic was all over Sydney, even at that point, which is two weeks ago, and we're only locking down a couple of, two or three LGAs, local government areas in the eastern suburbs, which appeared to be the same mistake that Victoria made a year ago, heavily criticised for that analysis. What's your analysis about the speed at which New South Wales in the first instance went to lockdown?
2: I think they were a week late. Um, They've always been reluctant to go into lockdowns, as it is. And the thing is, if you are going to go into a lockdown, you do it quickly. And they didn't. And now they're seeing what's happening. Adrian, thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure.
0: Adrian Esterman is Professor of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the University of Adelaide. And Norman, while we're talking about the outbreak in New South Wales, can we recap on the number of people who are not doing well with COVID? There's quite a few people in intensive care units at the moment.
1: Yeah, it keeps on climbing. Um, We talked about this extensively yesterday, but just in one hospital, Royal Prince Alfred, as of yesterday morning, it'll change by today, about eight people are in intensive care, three being ventilated. And in the wards, uh, they have a 26-year-old. So the this is moving into younger people. Um, there is no cause for complacency here. Which goes perhaps to the Prime Minister's press conference yesterday, just very briefly before we say goodbye to people for the weekend, where he was encouraging people, particularly in the southwestern suburbs of Sydney, to get their second dose of Astra early at eight weeks, which is what we've been talking about, um, which is allowable within the TGA's approval of AstraZeneca, but not necessarily approved by ATAGI yet. But he was quite critical of ATAGI in that press conference.
0: I mean... We- We've talked about this before, and you've stated your intention as as an individual to get the second dose at eight weeks. But if it's not recommended by a it gosh, it feels like mixed messaging, honestly.
1: So there's no risk here. The, the, The question that holds them back is how much does the immunity reduce at eight weeks? And nobody is actually too sure about that. And if people listening want to go for 12 weeks to be absolutely sure, that's great. You should just do that. Me, and I'm just talking about myself personally, is I want to get the second dose in as quickly as possible because it's 10 days to get its maximum. I'm living in a city where COVID, the Delta virus, is running around and I want to be protected.
0: Well, I suppose we might hear from Atagi in the coming days if they update that advice based on that sort of changed level of risk for some people. Yes. Well, that's all we've got time for on this week's CoronaCast. Sorry that we didn't get to Quickfire Friday. We had too many questions for Adrian, but we'll be back in your feed on Monday.
1: See you then.